Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in on episode 23. The 2020 winter season is upon us, and I wanted to help you guys prepare for the season. I've reached out to some extreme athletes, some photographers, and more to find out what they put in their pack when they head out for the day. Let me introduce episode 23's guest that we'll be dropping in with. She makes snowmobiling look easy, taking drops on her snowmobile that you probably wouldn't even take on your skis or snowboard. She respects the backcountry and has the knowledge of snow science. She owns her own company. She sheds mountain adventures. It offers snowmobile clinics, guided adventures, avalanche courses for women and men. She's featured in YouTube series with Polaris and Toyota. She's pretty much an all-round badass. This mother, business owner, snowmobiler, biker, horseback rider, photographer is someone you're going to want to listen to and find out what's in Julianne Chapman's pack. Julianne, are you ready to drop in? I'm ready to drop in. Okay. Rapid fire, 10 questions. Okay. Number one, is it strictly sledding or do you ski and snowboard as well? Strictly sledding now. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I dropped the snowboarding, uh, I'd say maybe, I want to say like eight, nine years ago. Um, I, it's a new passion. So I loved snowboarding when, when, I did, when I first did it and grew with the sport. And then when I started snowmobiling, it, uh, it was a new passion. So I'm an all or nothing kind of girl and I put 100% into sledding. Yes. See, that's why I never did it because I was like, I'm pretty sure I would never turn back. <laughs> well, you look at a lot of the snowboard babes like Leanne Pelosi and, you know, Mary France, you know, they're all still ripping and they rip on their sleds too. So it's just it's a matter of time, I think, before you get to that point where you can do both and just rip both. So true. So true. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay. Number two, you travel all over Canada to snowmobile and teach clinics. What's your favorite place to snowmobile? Ooh, well, I do travel down to the States, not this year, obviously, because of COVID um, yeah. as well. And so if the question is for Canada, I would have to say, oh, this is a tough one. When I first started sledding, uh, the coast, you know, Pemberton, Whistler area, very friendly for beginners. It's night, lots of wide open areas to learn, no trees, no obstacles. Um, but now at my level of riding where I really like to push myself in technical riding and trees and that kind of stuff, I would have to say, uh, where I live now in the West Kootenays, um, near Nelson, BC, there is some sick riding here or a little bit more technical stuff, but uh, yeah, those are my two favorite places in Canada. Are you in Nelson or are you in Pemberton? I I'm in Nelson now. Oh my Just gosh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I moved, uh, I unfortunately missed the real estate boat over on the <laughs> Totally so fair. my next step in adulting was to buy a house. And so, yeah, I bought a acreage. Uh, I was able to afford an acreage with a 5,600 square foot house for $300,000. Yeah. So. And I have a under 700 square foot apartment. <laughs> 
whatever, whatever works. I mean, I have, I have horses and stuff. And so I wanted, that, that was just part of my dreams too. So rad. I know. I watched some of your videos with your, with your horses and everything. Oh, look at that outside. Yeah, you can't see them right now because they're eating in their shed. But yeah, the horses are right outside my bedroom window. I feel like you have more snow than we do. Well, we got a ton of snow. Dang. Oh my gosh. Okay. We'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Number three, must have accessory on your sled. Ooh. You know what? And my older, in my older age, I'm going to say an electric start. <laughs> When I was younger, I was so hard-headed and I was like, Psh, don't need electric start. Those are for old people. Now I'm like, yeah, when my sled's upside down and I need to get it started, I'm not yanking on it, bent over like a hunchback in Notre Dame. I'm just going to push a button so much Heck easier. yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love this. Okay. The, the reason I do this is so that the listeners get to learn more about you and this is perfect. <laughs> I, I don't know if the questions you're answering. I know. I know. No one knows. Ah, <laughs> I, just, I just made them up too. <laughs> okay. Um, number four, you've been in BC for over 20 years now. Why? Almost, Almost over 20 years? I'd, I'd say, uh, hold on a second. I'd say more like 17 years. Okay. And, and how long have you been in Nelson? Uh, only three years. Three years. Yeah. I'm just outside of Nelson. So like 15 minutes outside of Nelson. Okay. Yeah. Three years and, in Nelson. And Pemberton, BC. I was there for six, six. Wait, my numbers don't match here. A while. A while. Put it that way. Yeah. You hunkered down in Pemberton for a while. I did. Yeah. Now you're kind of far away. I am. <laughs> That's okay. You got the good snow and you got the acreage. That's why. Totally. I, I, don't get me wrong, though. I do miss the Sea to Sky corridor. There is some solid people and some solid mountains there for sure. Yeah. All right. Number five, big drop on a sled or pow turns? Mm, big drop if the conditions are good. I mean, good as in like deep. Um, I'm not going to be dropping off of anything, especially in my older age uh if it's not super super deep well, let's tell uh, the listeners how old you are because you're not even that old no, I'm, not, I'm 34 <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah it's uh the the conditions have to be perfecto for me to do a big drop and so yeah the adrenaline and all that stuff is so awesome when the conditions yeah. are right but if the conditions are not right a soulful pow turn any day I'll take that and how big is like a big drop for you um, I'd say the biggest drop I ever did was about like 30 ish feet. Um, like normal yeah. people in, in the intro, like I say, normal skiers or snowboarders would probably not do drops on their skis or snowboard that you would do on a sled, <laughs> um, which I think yeah. is true. Yeah. There's some hardcore snowboarders and skiers. Out there, I know, but like recreational. Yeah, ten four. Um, yeah, no, for sure. It's it's uh, it's an adrenaline rush, and you really got to know, you know, how to properly land and with the right amount of throttle and all that, or else you're going to be eating the handlebars right in your face and uh, hurting yourself. So, and that makes me think of Devin Walsh actually, who got the like handlebar to his throat, and now his voice will never be the same. Totally. Or um, uh, Kale Stevens handlebars right to the face, loading his sled. Oh, yeah, God. That was, that was nerd. That's where he like took off his nose. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. That dates us now. 
<laughs> yeah, that date says, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Number six, preseason workouts and cross training. What do you do because sleds are heavy? Yeah. So, uh, midsummer, uh, like in the off season, a lot of mountain biking, uh, for endurance and I'm talking like pedaling uphill. Uh, I don't have any bike. And so I'm not, uh, I'm not cheating. <laughs> Those with e-bikes will tell me that, you know, e-bikes are not cheating, but still I'm saying cheating. <laughs> um, I want an e-bike. <laughs> Um, my buddy Darren Taros and, and Matt Langman, they came out to visit this uh, this summer and they brought their e-bikes and yeah, I think they've sold me on them, but still, long story short. Uh, Get ready yeah. for the season. <laughs> Get ready for the season. Lots of mountain biking in the summer. Um, riding my horses is great for core and legs. Yeah. Um, and then when the fall hits, that's when I start to do some pretty intensive uh, interval training. I uh, bought a gym, um, 1600 bucks from a wholesaler in Kamloops, full setup, like rack and everything, uh, mats on the ground and everything. And so it was money well spent because now with COVID, like I would not want to work out with a mask on. And so mm -hmm. yeah, full high intensity interval training, um, heavy weights, uh, lower reps, um, and just getting that muscle uh, built up for. Do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy working out? Be you honest. The truth? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I really do because I hate it, but I make it a goal to finish it because I'm so stubborn. Totally. I hate it as well. Um, okay. Once I get into it, <laughs> once I get into it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is good. And like the, the hurt, the burn at the end is like, oh yeah, this is a good burn. Yeah. Uh, but it's getting you know, to the point of, of, you know, okay, okay. It's been an hour. I've been thinking about going to do my workout. Should 100%. I? Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you know, I hard. feel you. I feel you. Oh, that's so true. Okay. Perfect. Honesty is the best policy here. <laughs> I do like jog tours and I bring my phone with me sometimes and, and people love it. Cause I always get lost and, and I hate jogging. Like I hate it, but at least it gives me something to do. And I like, no, I have to, I've gone out there and I have to come back. That's awesome. You put, you put a tracker on to get yourself back so you're not lost. <laughs> no, 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 no. I get brutally lost. Like I did it in Toronto and I was like, oh, I'll get to know the neighborhood. And then I just pff, dead end, dead end. It was pretty bad, but I still try. I, I did one in Vegas too. Like wherever I travel, I try and do them to just get to know the area. It's pretty fun. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> back to you. Number seven. Um, being the owner of She Shreds, you teach men, men and women how to snowmobile. How long does it take to learn how to snowmobile? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough question. It all depends how much effort you put into it. Um, mm -hmm. So just like anything in life, if you only do it, you know, once or twice a year, it's going to take you years to get better. Um, if you do it, like when I started, I was out there like four or five times a week. So it only took me a season to really get the hang of it. And a so, season. yeah, so, but that's four, four or five times a week. That's, yeah. that's quite a bit during the winter. Yeah. And so, yeah, it all depends how much effort you put into it. Um, and it will distinguish how fast you learn. And so, so when you, um, <clears throat> have a clinic, oh my God. <clears throat> okay, COVID. Sorry. I don't I don't have COVID. <laughs> when you when you run a clinic, how long how many days are the clinics? 
I offer one and two day clinics, uh, usually. Um, I will do privates longer if the people have the stamina, endurance and strength to do um, more than two days. So because it's a clinic, you are um, asked physically to do a lot of, of, of maneuvers and, and skill progression lessons and stuff like that. So by the end of two days, a, a rider really just finished and so I got to be really careful too on, on how much I push my clients um yeah. you know if somebody shows up like for you for example if you showed up you're fit you train you know all that kind of stuff so I can push you a little harder and you can take a little bit more but somebody who you know works a Monday to Friday office job and doesn't work out I got to be really careful at how much I push them because if I push them too hard they'll be done by 10 a.m for and, sure for oh yeah because how heavy are the sleds they're almost like around 500 pounds yeah they're they're pretty heavy they're and they're those are lighter than the older sleds too. I'm, I'm talking new sleds here <laughs> oh there, man there's always a way to shed weight off your sled um like chris brant for example he puts everything carbon everything titanium you know so his sleds are like super light but wow yeah so it, it all depends how much money you have and yeah <laughs> yeah 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 I mean it's not a it's not a cheap sport to get into for sure that's like another reason I never did it also I was like I don't know what to do out there <laughs> totally it's uh it's a very expensive sport I mean you can get away with doing it um on a budget um, but then you're dealing with older gear and you're dealing with you know sleds that might have break down a little bit more and that kind mm -hmm. of stuff so there are ways to do it a little cheaper, but it's always best to put the money into it um, and get the good stuff. And and when I'm talking safety gear too, that's something that you never cheap out on. Oh yeah, no, no, no. And we'll get into that when we find out what's in your pack. We're so, I, I honestly, I love the rapid fires. They're so slow. It's the best. <laughs> um, okay. What is your favorite season? Ooh, winter, obviously. Um, yeah. I'll be honest with you, by the end of the winter, I'm like, oh yeah, bring on summer because <laughs> I'm just burnt out and tired and physically just done. So um, you ask me now what my favorite season is? Winter, 100%. Ask me, ask me in April. Yeah, ask me in April and I'll be like, yeah, I'm pretty stoked it's summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're all on that same page. I know when it's like, yeah, April, May, you're kind of like, okay, bring on the sunshine for us West Coasters. <laughs> We do it as our as our business as well, and yeah. so we're in it 110. percent Yeah, get these snowboard boots off my feet. <laughs> do you have ra random question? Not part of this. Do, so, being naive about snowmobiling, do you have specific snowmobile boots? I do, and I'm actually about to go do a big Avsar um, avalanche course in Golden in two two weeks. Yeah, and it's on. A split board. I, I haven't put a board on in in my feet in like seven years. No way. I have only snowmobile boots. And so the snowmobile boots, I mean, they're kind of the same as snowboard boots, but just a little bit of a thicker sole and more uh, harder kind of material. So it doesn't okay. eat away on the running boards. And right. so I'm about to show up to this avalanche course and it's, it's, probably going to be all like high-end skiers guides ACMD guides and all and they're going to be like who is this chick <laughs> on snowmobile boots and a board that's borrowed by <laughs> I'm borrowing my partner's board and uh, I'm going to be at the back of the line that's for sure <laughs> just like on the heart oh that'll be interesting can't wait to hear how that goes yeah, that's um 
perfect that you bring that up because I was going to say you're well-versed in snow science. I'm wondering what level AVI courses you have. Yeah. So I have, um, certificate wise, I have my operations level one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working towards my operations level two for quite a few years now, but it kind of got delayed cause I had a kid. And <laughs> so, um, that got put on the back burner for two years. And now that my little dude's two years old, I'm, I'm able to separate and, and go do these big courses. And so I'm doing my last prerequisite, um, yeah. in two weeks and, uh, I'm so close to getting my operations level two. And operations level one allows you to do what? Uh, allows you to be a guide. Um, I, the snowmobiling and skiing and snowboarding are two very different um, things when it comes to guiding right now because snowmobiling still kind of new um, guiding. And so they're trying to uh, make it even across the board uh, for snowmobile guides and ACMG guides. Um, there is a, oh my goodness, there's a guy in Revelstoke, Steve Scott, who is now developing the motorized snowmobile guide association i think yeah. is what it's called like don't don't quote me on that i don't really <laughs> the actual title um but it's in the works uh they're definitely trying to make it uh, minimum operations level two to be a snowmobile guide in the next very near future yeah um and they're, yeah they're just trying to make it a little bit more even for uh ski guides and uh and snowmobile guides so we're cool because safety is of the utmost importance while we're out there for sure it's always top of mind for me at least <laughs> All right. Number 10, we're rounding up the rapid fire. What is the one recommendation that you have for someone thinking about starting to snowmobile? Ooh, it is probably, I hate to crush your dreams, but it's probably one of the hardest sports you'll ever try to get into. Um, I compare it to surfing. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a tough one for me to get into. Just, you know, reading the ocean, uh, you're reading the mountains um, as far as like safety goes and avalanches and riptides, you know, and stuff. And so physically, um, it's it's a very demanding sport. So I always say, set your expectations low. Uh, with anything in life, you know, your partner, uh, what your <laughs> partner's cooking you for dinner, <laughs> and you will be happy. So um, you don't set your expectations when you first start that you're going to be side-hilling in two weeks. It's never going to happen. Um, set your expectations low with, you know, maybe getting, being able to do a couple power cars linked up together, and you'll be like, oh, I was able to do that. And so it'll keep you in tune and it'll also um, keep you enjoying the sport if you set your expectations. Be a realist, people. (laughs) Thank you for um, participating in the rapid fire. Really appreciate it. Definitely learn more about snowmobiling um, and how difficult it is, but I do still need to get out there. I know that much. I love it. Like I go, gosh, once in a blue moon and I have a a smile from ear to ear. And unfortunately, I competed for far too long and (laughs) never got out there, even though you're like, let's get out there. (laughs) This is the year because you're not going to be traveling for competitions this year. Nelson, here I come. Are you ready for me? I still, you know what, um, my operations are still uh, functioning 100% in uh, Pemberton and, and, and Worcester area. I just have a lead guide, Janice McWilliam, who teaches okay. all the clinics for me um, over there now. Wicked. So, yeah, I, I deal with the customer relations and the bookings when it comes to the coastal operations, but Janice is the one who's on snow. Awesome. Uh, yeah. 
Janice could be my new best friend. She's pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Wicked. Okay. So let's get into it. I um, really want the listeners to get a feel of what is in an expert's pack. And uh, and if you could kind of just guide us through what you put in your pack, that would be amazing. Absolutely. So I'm going to start this off by telling you um, there's two different places to put your stuff on a snowmobile. So there's mm-hmm. obviously your pack and then there's your tunnel bag um, that's on the back of the snowmobile. And so picking where you put this gear is pretty uh, detrimental just because if your snowmobile goes into a crevasse, um, you know, if you're riding up the Pemberton ice caps and your snowmobile goes down a crevasse, all you have on you to survive is what's in your pack. And so basically where I'm going with this is whatever you put in your tunnel bag, you don't need that stuff to survive. And everything that you do need to survive is in your backpack. And so um, let's start going down the list um, and I'll let you know where where I carry it on me. And so um, number one, uh, the full first aid kit. And so when I say full first aid kit, um, that basically is, you know, your, your basics, uh, obviously band-aids and little, um, what you would call it, like uh, steri strips and, you know, all these kind of little things. But I also call it, carry like a hardcore um, first aid kit that has splints and, uh, you know, you're dealing with snowmobiling and so you, you're more prone to have these big bleeds and stuff like that. So I got like um, blood clotting. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to scare you, but. <laughs> Just being prepared, being, being prepared, prepared for the exactly. worst. Yeah. And in my 17 plus years snowmobiling, I've never had to use a blood clot pad. So thank God. And I'm going to knock on all of the wood. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so yeah it's just being prepared it's you know it's a question of oh it's it's not never gonna happen it's when is it gonna happen and I'll be prepared kind of thing and so um, yeah there's lots of places online uh, to get you know a list of all what you should have in your first aid kit Um, taking a wilderness first aid course is huge they offer a 40 hour and they offer an 80 hour um, and obviously to be a snowbill guide, you have to have the top of the top. So I have an 80 hour plus CPR. Um, but it, you know, you can have your first aid kit, but not really know how to use it. So that's, right. that's, that's when the course comes into play. You get to at least know how to use all your gear. Um, the pack itself, I carry an avalanche pack, Highmark by Snowpulse Avli pack. Um, this doesn't, affect my decision making points at all in the backcountry. Like it's not gonna, I'm not gonna be like, oh, I can ride this face because I have an Avi pack. You know, it's 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 an Avi pack is just a, a an extra tool to help if you got into a crappy situation kind of thing. And so the pack itself. Um, communications. So next is very often you're snowmobiling and out of cell phone uh, reception areas. So as a guide, I have to car- have two um, modes of communication. So I carry an inReach and a satellite phone. Um, a recreational user doesn't really need both. Uh, if you're going to pick one, I would probably go with the inReach uh, just because it's a little cheaper and it's actually a little bit more dependable um, just because uh, satellites they orbit around the earth. And so these, um, these devices depend on these satellites. And so if you're on a call with a satellite phone, you're going to get dropped because you're slowly orbiting. Um, and so your call will only last about eight minutes and then you'll get dropped and you'll have to search for another satellite, excuse me, to hook onto. 
and then and so yeah so the inReach is a little bit more dependable it's more smooth communication whereas the sat phone it drops and picks up and stuff and so yeah in reach and then next is communications within the group and so having a good two-way uh, radio I use um, the Baofeng uh, VHF radio only because I go up a lot of logging roads that there's logging and so I need to be able to communicate with logging trucks um, you know and that kind of stuff and so the VHF radio allows you to do both um, it's a little bit more of a complicated radio to use um, just because you have to get it programmed and understand the programming a little bit more whereas you know BCA and just those you know Motorola radios or low-level kind of recreational users um also with the vhf radios you have to if you're going to be getting it programmed with um channels that like you know the search and rescue or the helicopters and uh, the helicopter um companies in the area and stuff like that you have to have a permit um like a license to be able to get those um programmed into your radio so just yeah just make just be aware of that stuff if you're going the vhf route very cool. Um, next, uh, rope and carabiners. So um, I always carry a, a little bit of rope, like six to 15 feet of rope. Um, I like that that's a little bit of rope for you. Like a little <laughs> bit of rope would be like two feet for someone. You're like a little bit of rope, six to 15 feet. Mellow. Yeah. So if your snowmobile goes into like, you know, a really tree well or something like that, it's nice to have long ropes to tie on ski loops to be able to stand outside of the tree well and have a straight back while you're pulling it instead of being all hunched over in the hole and trying to pull the ski and stuff. And so on a regular day, that's what I'll, what I'll carry for rope and, and towing sleds out too. Um, mm -hmm. It's nice to have a nice longer rope so you're not constantly butt, butt ending the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but when I'm traveling on glaciers, uh, I'm talking like 100 to 200 feet ropes and and harnesses and how big know. is your pack well that stuff goes on the tunnel bag <laughs> yeah so oh i forgot to tell you where i carry this stuff so let's go back up the full first aid kit i carry a tiny little first aid kit in my pack the big first aid kit with all the splints and all that stuff in the tunnel bag um the satellite communication in my backpack the rope in the tunnel bag don't need rope to survive um Next, shovel, probe, and transceiver. That's a given. Transceiver mm -hmm. on your body, uh, pro uh, probe, and um, shovel on your backpack. You'll see a lot of sledders. Um, sorry to stereotype, but from Alberta, especially, that they carry their um, uh, shovels on their tunnels. And so I say to clients, if you're going to carry your shovel in your tunnel, sure, let it be your second shovel, your backup shovel. So you don't have to take your pack off when you're getting unstuck. You can just rip it off your tunnel bag and just start shoveling. Um, never carry your only shovel um on your uh tunnel bag because if you know if you get into an avalanche or if, if one of your buddies gets into an avalanche and all of a sudden you need your shovel but you left your sled way down at the bottom you're you're screwed your buddies you know the timing is everything when it comes to burials and so yeah just make sure you have that shovel on you for sure um snowmobile tools so that's super heavy um i keep that on my tunnel bag and that is um, each brand has specific tools. And so uh, Skidoo uh, has its specific tools and Polaris has its spe specific tools and sizes. And so uh, I try to carry as much as I can because I have clients with a whole bunch of different kind of sleds. Um, and that's on my tunnel bag because I don't need tools to survive. 
Uh, survival kit, that's huge. And so that's in my backpack, obviously. In the survival kit, um, I've got food, uh, extra water. I've got ways to light fires. So to survive in general in the winter harsh conditions, you need uh, warmth, you need food, and you need water. Um, and so ways to light fires. I've got like, I think three different ways to light fires. I've got uh, waterproof matches. I've got flints and uh, lighters. lighters I'm, so, that- I'm so glad you went into that because yeah. I was like three different ways. Okay. Go yeah, ahead. <laughs> so if, if your lighter gets wet, it's hard to get a, a start of a, of a flame. And so um, lighter is always number one because it's easiest, obviously, but it's really easy to get them wet in snow. And so backup is waterproof matches. Um, and then backup backup is a flint, which is a little harder to light a fire. But <laughs> about what you got, you're talking Flintstones here. So let's Yeah, see going old school. Yeah. And so, and then um, survival kit, uh, I have a little fishing hook and uh, uh, um, uh, plastic, like uh, like fishing wire, I guess, if you want to call it. Fishing line. Yeah. The yeah. chance of me finding a fish in the winter is probably pretty low, but I've got food in my backpack, so I think I'm good. But just in case, I got stuff to catch fishes. Um, and then, uh, oh, tampons. Not just because I'm a girl, uh, but it's a great way to light a fire. Uh, you dip the tampon in your gas tank of your snowmobile. And you got yourself an insta way to light a nice big fire. I wonder if any of the boys have that. Oh, yeah. So in my avalanche courses that I teach, uh, I always have like little prizes for people that answer questions. And yeah. so very often I'll bring a box of tampons and the guys are like, you get a tampon and you get a tampon. Everyone gets tampons. <laughs> she shreds. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So by the end, they understand why they're getting a tampon. (laughs) Um, Extra gloves, lots of extra gloves, um, especially if you're in a survival mode. You're going to be building yourself a little Quincy, a little, you know, somewhere to keep warm that's sheltered from the elements. And so you're using your hands in snow and you want to make sure that you try to avoid um, a hypothermia as much as you can and, and frostbite and that kind of stuff. And so heat packs too, um, carry lots of heat packs for my toes, my hands. Um, like how many? What's a lot? I carry, so I carry two full foot ones. I yeah. carry two just toe ones and two hand ones. I don't even think I've seen full foot ones. Yeah. I think I need those. I got frostbite on my toes like 10 years ago and they just are so unhappy now. Totally. And that's a lifelong thing you got to kind of deal with after that. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's your hardcore talking there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I found those full foot ones. A photographer um, of my, of a buddy of mine had them in his pack because photographers are just standing around all the time. And so he was like detrimental for photographers. For sure. Um, What else? So wood, um, wood, uh, wood saw. So you'll see a lot of people, you know, with the plastic handle with the saw that flips out. I personally don't really like those because they're pretty limited to length. And so that limits you to the size of, of logs that you're cutting down. Mm -hmm. I really like the chain that you pull on each side, um, because that lets you take down the big suckers pretty quick. (laughs) Um, what else? And would you have a, a saw in your sled handle as well? Um, those are usually pretty flimsy. I'll, okay. I'll, 
Yeah, I have never, I've not once seen a shovel with a good solid saw. So if you want a solid saw, uh, go with the saw company. Steel has a really good one. Um, and uh, Mountain Lab Gear, uh, they just, a new company from last year, they've got a really good one that's uh, like a cheap. Imagine there was like that flimsy one that like came out of the top of your. That would be, um, that would be pretty cool. That's, that's for the. The, the creators, somebody needs to create one of those. There you go. Don't steal my idea. No, Flimsy won't. saw comes out of shovel. Sounds no. super sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. And so, um, yeah, I'm just going down my uh, toolkit here. So, oh, I have a compass too. Um, I mean, all our cell phones have compasses, but you can never really depend on uh, technology to last in the cold. Um, and now do you have your cell phone on while your beacon's on? Negative. So um, I put my cell phone in airplane mode and I put it minimum 30 centimeters away from my transceiver. Mm -hmm. um, I do use my phone for photos for clients. I use my phone for an altimeter uh, as well to know um, my elevation. I also use my phone for um, my emergency communication device. So that's mm -hmm. linked to my inReach. It's an app called EarthMate um, that links to that. And I also use my phone for uh, tracking Gaia maps um, and so GPS style. And so that being said, I use my phone quite a bit. Um, it's in airplane mode. The it's what it, Bluetooth is usually what um, interferes with cell phones. And so, uh, sorry, interferes with uh, transceivers. And mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, it's in airplane mode. It's far away from my transceiver. And, uh, and yeah, that being said, I do use my phone for quite a bit of stuff. And so I carry an extra battery pack for my cell phone to charge if need be. Um, again, knock on wood, I've never had yeah. to recharge it, but, uh, but yeah, it's always good to have a backup of, of communication. Um, what else? What else? Uh, I've got a whistle. I've got a flare. Uh, baby sacks are huge for warmth, uh, but also great for creating um, little shelters. So, what, uh, what was that? A bivy sack. Bivy those, sack. Those metal uh, looking, those shiny. Uh, like once you're done a run. Yeah. 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 At the end like of a the marathon. They yeah, put you in that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So those are great for if you're stuck in the backcountry, keeping warm. And they're mm -hmm. also great for putting down on the ground to insulate fr from an injured person. So when somebody's injured, the first thing that they start, their body starts to go into shock. They lose um, temperature, core temperature starts to drop. And so putting that down on the ground um, helps with insulating. So I would put down like a bunch of clothes um, and then put the baby sack on top and then the person on top of that. So that's another chance to keep the warm a little bit yeah. longer. Yeah. Um, and it, as, as I said, when you're building shelters too, it's really good to um, use them as walls to um, for wind and stuff like that to help shelter from elements. Very cool. Yeah, baby sacks are huge. Um, I carry a tarp in my um, in my tunnel bag. Um, so the survival kit's in my backpack, but the tarp is in my tunnel bag. The tarp is good for uh, oh man, it's good for everything. So many, it's good for so many things. You can <laughs> make yourself a toboggan. I mean, it's not going to be super comfortable for the person in the back, but wrap the person up and then put them in an actual toboggan. Um, it's good for broken down sleds. So we actually used a tarp for somebody's track that blew off. So we had to, um, we had to pull the snowmobile with no track. And so we had to, we put the, the tarp underneath. So it makes, made it a slippery surface instead of Wild. just 
yeah. So there's lots, lots of things you can do with the tarp. Tarps are pretty awesome. Um, what else? Oh, snow science tools. I mean, that's just because I'm a guide and I constantly am studying snow, um, but I wouldn't expect somebody to carry that as a recreational user. Um, yeah, uh, extra food and water. I mentioned that. Wood saw. Oh, headlamp. Uh, there's lots of really great companies out there. Um, I personally have a Lynx OGT headlamp. They have super high watt um, lights and uh, they're, they're easily, it's not like battery powered. It's, you just plug it into the wall to recharge and so you're saving on batteries. And it's a local company out of Nelson, which is pretty rad. Um, and so yeah, having a good light is huge. Um, Can I use that light biking as well at night? Oh yeah, absolutely. They have different mounts to put on handlebars and a whole bunch of stuff. So it's it's a really I, cool. yeah. It's hard to find a good lamp, like lamp that actually shines. Lamp. Totally. Headlamp. Headlight. Headlamp. Headlight. Headlamp. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, yeah. No, this thing lights up a whole like it lights up my whole driveway. It's it's I forget the wattage of the lamp right now, but it's, it's good. It's, it's all good. around good. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. get one talking about that with sledding and so let's say you know you drive your sled into a tree and you punch out your headlights and you're all of a sudden the light the sun's going down you don't have any lights to get out so you definitely need a light and so I always tell people have it on your helmet because you're able to shine the light where you want to go whereas if it's on your handlebars and you're going uphill the light's pointed to the moon (laughs) uh, can't see where you're going so if it's on your head you at least you can shine it down you can see where you're going totally fair um, extra goggles, extra lenses, uh, snow wheeling, you tend to sweat quite a bit when you're stuck and I'm a face sweater. So my goggles, <laughs> my God, my upper lip sweater. So my goggles get fogged out super easily. And so, um, and so, yeah, I just bring extra, extra of everything. Um, my extra layers I usually put in my tunnel bag, um, just because it does take up room and I don't have that much room in my backpack. Um, Extra fuel, uh, that's, I mean, all dependent on how deep the snow is, how far your plan is to go that day, you know, that kind of stuff. You don't necessarily need to bring extra fuel, but it's always good to have at least one person with extra fuel because there's always somebody in that group that is full pin all day and he'll be or she'll be the first one to run out of fuel. And if they're the person with extra fuel, that's awesome. But if they're not the person with extra fuel, they're buying beers at the end of the day. (laughs) No tampons Um, for you. Tampons for you. <laughs> An extra belt uh, for the sled, obviously. That's in um, in your snowmobile. There's always a, a spot in your snowmobile to carry extra belts, or one extra belt at least. And um, it's always good to know where your uh, closest safety cache is for the day. Um, so, for example, if you're going up Brandywine, um, Blackcomb Snowmobile and Black Tusk um, Snowmobile both have safety caches. Um, now, Blackcomb Snowmobile, they are in operation. They're probably not going to let a recreational user use their stuff. But, I mean, if it's an emergency out of pure human decency, decency they should. <laughs> Um, Black Test Mobile just put up a brand new uh, safety cache way out towards Ring Mountain this year. And so there's one there. Um, so yeah, know where your, your safety caches are and there's always extra gear, toboggans, you know, that kind of stuff to um, help out with emergencies. Amazing. 
Yeah. And so the, I did make a video, um, called Pemby life episode two, um, respect adventure, uh, safety and on all this stuff. And this was made in 2017. Mm -hmm. And so, um, there's a video there you guys can reference to for as far as like safety cash goes. And there's a list of all the stuff that I mentioned on my uh, website in my blog as well. If, um, anybody needs that. Yes. Thank you so much. I feel like I'm enlightened and I know so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, so great. Thank you so, so much. And again, where can people find you? Thanks for having me, by the way. This no is uh, very nice of you, Miss Shady. <laughs> um, people can find me Instagram, uh, she sh- uh, at She Shreds Mountain Adventures. Uh, Facebook, She Shreds Mountain Adventures. Um, my website is sheshreds.ca. Um, and I'm here to talk to anybody, phone, email, whatever I'm, I'm, and even if you're not doing a clinic, like I'm happy to help anybody get into the sport, whether, whether it's, you know, talking safety, wondering what they need, how to set up their snowmobile for themselves. Cause you know, us girls, we're, we're a little bit smaller. And so the stock machine out of, out of crate is usually set up for somebody who's like almost six feet tall. And so setting up the sled for a small person, um, always helps with, um, with maneuvering the snowmobile. So wicked. So many things that I've learned that I did not know before. Um, I do like to do a little takeaway and, uh, I'll just go over some of the things you talked about, uh, wilderness, taking a wilderness first aid course. Um, pretty important if you're going to be out in the backcountry. Um, you have the 80 hour one and there was a, was it 60 hours? Uh, 40 hours. 40 or 80. Oh, Double it up. Okay. Um, I really liked what you said about the communication out in the backcountry that you, you, you literally as a guide have three different ways to communicate. One is internally with everyone. Um, and then two are to the big wide world, uh, just to be safe there. Um, and your quote was set your expectations low, a little lower than you would expect. And you will be happy. Um, so many. Oh, yeah. I was going to say set the expectations low, but goals high and, and set your timeline to reach these goals a little bit longer than normal. Yeah. You're not going to learn in three days. Mm-mm. Like I would hope to, because that's just not going to happen. And be prepared to sweat <laughs> and pick, try and pick up a 500 pound sled. Because you're going to get stuck, people. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's techniques and, and tips and stuff to make life easier, obviously, when it comes to getting stuck. But um, layering is huge uh, mm-hmm. in the mountains when snowmobiling. I do a blog, too, on proper layering. Um, okay. But yes, you, you stop for lunch, you get cold, you get stuck, you get sweaty. And so being able to shed layers to adjust your body temperature in the, all these different ups and downs is, is huge as well. So wicked. Also, tampons can be used to help make fires. Newsflash, men and women. That's right. Multiple uses of tampons. <laughs> I don't think I've ever say, said that word more than I did on this today. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Awesome. Julianne, thank you so much for dropping in with me today. Thanks for having me, Follow Dropping In on Facebook and Instagram at Dropping In with Mercedes.
Thank you, DJ Kenosis, for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.